Welcome to Get Off the Mic, a hockey podcast by hockey nerds for hockey nerds. Brought to you by the writers from GetOffTheIce.com. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Get Off the Mic, a hockey podcast by hockey nerds for hockey nerds. That was in the intro, so I don't know why I'm re-saying it. I'm your host, Mac, and uh, with me today is the sassy and uninvited Paul. And joining us, the OG guest, Aaron, from our first episode, gaudy staff writer and unfortunate Edmonton fan. How are you guys doing? Delightful. It's great. It's a great day to be an Edmonton fan. Yeah, great intro. I'm feeling the love already. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you reciprocated that love to me while I was doing my fantastic intro. Thank you very much. We've <laughs> got real quick. <laughs> we are May the 9th here. No hockey news because we're still in quarantine. And that sucks. But it is snowing outside, and that is big news. Yeah, I can hear it on my window right now. Sorry, your car window, just so everyone's clear. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> All right, we'll just get on into it before. Wanted a first-hand view. <laughs> <laughs> Turn on your windshield wipers while we record. <laughs> um, we'll start with our opening question just to get it out of the way because we're already falling off course here. What rule change would you guys want to implement into the NHL if you could right now? You only get one. You don't get to finagle your way or talk your way into multiple you get one chance and one shot and it'll for sure go through which one would you go with paul by the way i prepped them this week on it so they should have their answers ready you would say yeah i do have it ready i thank you um wow i'm gonna sound like the cliche leaf fan and say change the playoff format please to what i'm so just one to eight that's all i ask nothing crazy do it one to eight because having and I, it might be a little unfair to loop Toronto into this group, but let's just say, for this argument's sake, you have Tampa, Boston, Toronto that all have to play each other, like, first and second round. How is that fair when they're usually top three teams? Or at least Tampa and Boston, even. They have to play each other in the second round because of this format when, really, they're two of the best teams in the East. So, I'd look like back, to see... Look back to two years ago, too. You're right. Vegas. Not even Vegas. Who was it? it Winnipeg was like, and Nashville. Winnipeg and Nashville. Thank yeah, you. Exactly what I was getting at. And it sucks because, like, they tear through each other. And let's be honest, it was Winnipeg or Nashville that was supposed to win that year. But they, they, like, they have to run through each other. And then they get to the next round and they're exhausted because they just played the, the next best team in the NHL. Yeah. Like, Vancouver I, was a victim of this a couple of years ago when they were a top team. Like, it's not just because Leaf fans are saying this. It's been a problem. And the whole creating a rivalry, whatever. I don't think – like, I think that's so silly because, you, you I mean – you create a rivalry in the playoffs no matter what. It yeah, literally teams does. don't like each other. <laughs> we have a freaking rivalry with Vancouver for good for little to no good reason. We yeah. didn't need three straight or what, <laughs> four straight. There's two straight, sorry, a series with Boston to learn that we hate them. Yeah. In fact, it might so, have been better to play other teams, and then we have more rivalries. <laughs> yep. And then you have to play Boston eventually if you move on, anyways. So you still yeah. have that opportunity. I agree, but like the only counter would be what's more, what's better to watch? The best teams play each other more consistently and see better hockey, or just see a one to eight. Like that's the only d- downside I would see. Like if you look at the Atlantic Division, let's say you do the one to eight, it's going to be six teams, five or five teams each time. Metro, it's that's not even close. 
So it's like you now you got to have an ultra competitive one, or you're gonna have one division just running the East. That's the, that's the only thing. Yeah, but like divisions would almost become non-essential running the one to eight, right? Yeah, so fair. Like it, fair. it's just silly. Like like why is New York? Why are the Rangers so far out of the playoff race when they should really be right there with the Leafs? Even last year with Montreal. Right, yeah. they missed the playoffs by having like what was it ninety six ninety six points. That being That's said, crazy. they had they had a chance at the at the wild card, and they Columbus did. just had ninety seven. Anyways, that's that would be either way. Idea. Yeah, Aaron. So I was I was torn. The one thing that really pisses me off is delay of games and those stupid delay of game calls. But I del- I opted <laughs> to go for something more like financial wise and like the business ops. So I would say. We, talk, we touched about compliance buyouts a while ago. Something for me that they could change is dependent on the amount of salary you have available at the end of the year, you're allowed to spend up to a certain amount on a compliance buyout. So that way you don't, have, you don't get screwed for cap. Look at, like, again, we're throwing the Leafs under the bus here. They had no cap. They had to give up a first to get rid of Marlowe and then dump his contract. They had no money available, but they should. So let's say they had $2 million going into the off season of free cap per se, they should be allowed to allocate a certain amount of that money to let's say buy Marlowe out that won't count against their cap. If that, that, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, no? it does. It's creative. It's creative. So like that way teams that are always strung up against the cap, like Toronto, like Chicago even was for a couple of years, like Pittsburgh seems to always be all these teams that have these issues. They would give them a way of working around it and working with the cap that they have while not throwing or hurting themselves by not being able to sign other people. Yeah, it's creative. So therefore, the NHL will never, ever even think about it. Exactly. But well, my idea. answer isn't, uh, isn't terribly creative. And we've talked on it before, but the three-point system. The fact that why are some games worth three points and others not? It just it makes literally no sense. So the three-point system, just in case someone you guys are unaware is for a regulation when you get three points overtime or shootout when you get two points uh overtime shootout loss you get one regulation loss you get zero that way every game is worth three points and i get it's all about parity and all that stuff but there are teams and again i think it's the rangers that have like two more wins than someone that's like than columbus who's like five spots ahead of them or something definitely less than that um but columbus has 12 loser points or something it's something ridiculous and it's just and there's there is some more some maybe there's a little more semblance of parody but less so of fairness and so the an actual jackets, to add to your point the blue jackets have 15 overtime losses oh that's more than i thought damn yeah it's it's not that makes us of the playoffs is not a representation of the best 16 teams that there were it represents a mixture of the best 16 and kind of luckiest and the ones that kind of held on, oh, I can do this maybe. The ones who kind of lose as much as they can. So I was leaning towards something like that, but I was just going to say get rid of the loser point and then just do two points or nothing, which is – it would be the same thing as if you did three-point system. Like it would balance it out the same way. It is. I do – I just – I do kind of like the more three-point throw three-two-one system only because, I don't know, Yes, there's more options, I suppose, but ultimately it is the same thing. So, either way, it's a really good point. 
that was a good good little discussion. So we'll bridge that over into more stupid NHL decisions um, in our hockey news segment here. So they've basically all but decided, from what we've heard, that they're going to keep the draft in June. Now, obviously, this is a very unique circumstance because for the first time in a long time, hockey is not being played in May or June for that matter. So that means that the draft will be taking place before a playoffs that they are expecting to happen, which I'm not too sure if they will. They might, but nevertheless, off the, just this, what is your guys' opening remarks with regards to the fact that the draft is going to happen before everyone is seated or the fact that it's just happening in June. I mean, for me, I like it. I like it. I don't like, I know people are going to hate that I said that, but I like it for the fact that it doesn't push the next draft back because let's say this draft gets pushed all the way till end of season and the season doesn't start till December. So this happens in February, 2021. These players just lost out on the potential. Let's say if the season starts back up to start training with that team. And then the, the next year, those players might even get pushed back from that June draft to August or whatever it is, or September. So it delays other people starting their careers. Like we already know the bottom teams aren't going to make the playoffs. The only people that would be hurt by this is maybe Florida, who is just on the fringe of the playoffs or like those 15 to 12 teams. Realistically, like everybody else, bottom 10, you weren't making the playoffs. Sorry. So yeah, for me, I would say like, it's a good thing that they're doing it because there's only really one or two teams that suffer, but you have to think they're also drafting 200 plus kids in June, right? It's not like you're, you're, you're going to screw over one or two franchises. Sure. But that happens over time, but you're also helping 200 kids progress their careers quicker. That's fair. I never really thought of it that way. I just, I just don't like how they've suggested going about it. Like having the draft in June, not ideal, but like Max said, the circumstance is very unique. So you have to change things around. I just don't like how they're guaranteeing Detroit can't get worse than what? Two. Two? And then that, Ottawa. It was, worse proposed. Than- it was proposed. It's not. Yeah, but I think that's the way they're leaning. And then you basically eliminate the whole excitement of what is the lottery draft. So if you have mm-hmm. these teams that are already pretty much out, why don't, I don't understand why they don't just scrap the season, go by points percentage. That way you have all the teams who are eliminated, put them in the lottery and figure out the playoff teams whenever. See, I agree with you. But then you ought to think, if, let's say I'm Florida, and I'm sitting two points out of behind the Leafs, let's just say, and I am that 15th-seated uh, uh, lottery team. I have no chance of getting one or two, and I only have a chance of getting three. And it's like the, the smallest percentage. It's like one or below one, let's say. Why would I be happy with that? Why, like would, said, I want, you... why would I want the season scrapped? If I want the chance to... If I'm okay with that happening, I want a chance to at least get one, two, or three, even though the percentages are insanely low. But like I you would... said, you can't please everybody. So Florida, unfortunately, is going to get screwed kind of either way, right? They're one game back of the Leafs, and even if they won that game, they would still be behind the Leafs by a point. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you could potentially pass them if you played out the final whatever it is, 12 games. But, I mean, we can't please everybody here in this situation i was just referring to the fact of yours for the proposal like you're saying detroit can't get lower than two florida probably can't get higher than three and it's at that little percentage so why would you work do uh-huh. that work around that's what i'm saying i'm not uh-huh. saying that florida is not going to get screwed i'm saying it for the fact of there has to be a way 
worked Florida, even as a slight chance, like 0.2% chance of getting the first overall pick for them yeah, to be saying. like acceptable with it. Yeah. So you yeah, make- I can, uh, I can step in and clarify something. So the proposal um, for the lottery draft is basically that they only pick first. So that's why Detroit can only get first or second. They either win the draft or they pick second. But by that token, every team in that has not that's not in the playoffs right now would mm-hmm. have that chance to win to become first. So they're mm-hmm. not so they're not picking for second or third. They just they put the balls in and whichever you know numbers come out, whoever that corresponds to, that team has won the lottery draft. So they're only doing it for the one again, not two and three. Again, like you mentioned, it's not all confirmed, um, but that is the proposal. So, okay. so by that token, in theory, someone. Florida can win the draft and then play the rest of the season, pass the Leafs, make the playoffs, then win the cup, which okay. I think is kind of funny. And I kind of hope that happens. All right. Now, no, I misunderstood because it was just showing a graph. It was showing like each team seated. So it was like Detroit, Ottawa, Ottawa with San Jose's pick all the way down to like 15. And it was on like a slant, just showing the percentage of them getting that pick. That's why I probably misunderstood. But um, I hate it. I'm not going to lie. I think it's silly. And I think it's unnecessary because I don't see, since they're going to be doing this online, like it would be different if, if we were doing it in person. I can, you know, I have the draft tends to go, which I would have been going to this year in Montreal. So I'm already pissed off about that. But um, I, I think since we're doing it online, you could end this. So like the season, let's say they play the season out. There's no way they're playing past September because you can't push the season back any further than the start of December and have that shortened season because basically the proposal for playing later is that you'd shorten next season as well. So then you'd have two shortened seasons to facilitate two Stanley Cups as opposed to one full season and one no cup. They wouldn't be playing a full 82 games next year. So right when the Stanley Cups ended out, you have your, your uh, seating. You could basically do the draft in theory the next day because it's all online. You don't have to fly anyone out. Granted that you could give them a week. So then you're looking at mid September. Mm-hmm. People have have drafted their players. And I think that's fine. The only lo- logistics issue is with the drafted players going back to their teams. And then if they potentially can crack an NHL or AHL lineup, they well, I, actually, most of them, they're not allowed to crack the AHL lineup. They're not old enough for most of them. Um, but, you know, if they can get the NHL lineup, they'd have to leave their team in November to go to NHL training camp, which would be a little weird. But I just, I don't see it outweighing some of the nonsense that could happen. Now, yeah. I'm a, we'll move on to kind of why the NHL is moving up the draft, or not moving up, but actually staying pat, standing pat, sorry. Um, so first of all, they really liked how the NFL did. Yeah, which is a pretty good model to use. It is, but do people really care all that much about the NHL relative to the NFL draft? Um, no, the NFL we do. Way bigger. It depends, right? Like it's a different segment. Like in the states, where they they're gonna ride or die for football. You think Canada, we're gonna ride or die for hockey? If you like, just like you touched on, the Montreal native being drafted first overall in Montreal. Like, how is that not something that all of Quebec and even pops, let's say Ottawa gets that pick going to a Canadian team? How, how do you not show interest in that? Well, 
it's still basically based on revenue. Like that's the motivation is how much money the NFL made from that. And in lieu of a playoffs that'd be happening right now, that that was kind of a thought for the NHL. And, you know, even if you get all of Quebec, I the, the just the TV rights in Canada aren't lucrative enough to supplement an, a, a playoffs as opposed to, you know, everyone watching the NFL draft. Yeah. You know, you, you get a fair amount of money from that. And, but more for me, the more, compelling argument that they made was that scouts and executives contracts end on the 30th of June. Right. So they want to get the draft in before that happens. Yeah. Because in theory you have a whole nother litigation problem on top right. of your conditions on picks, which we will get to. Um, but you'd have a whole nother thing where you would have to either renegotiate these contracts to last for two months or, you know, have a, a blanket wave, but wave of extension but then if people want to leave, then that's a whole nother thing. There's one team that has 18 expiring contracts between their scouts and executives. Yikes. I don't know who that team is, but if the, if the draft were to happen after and for some reason or another, they, I mean, even just only getting 50% of those people back, you're still losing nine important people to your draft. Yeah. It's, uh, sure. it's definitely interesting. What, also kind of sucks about the draft being pushed up though is the trading so since you know call it over half the league call it 20 teams or 24 teams because the most recent proposal that came out was that 24 team playoff you have 24 teams that potentially are going to be gifted a playoff spot who's going to be trading their players for picks or who's going to be doing anything on the draft floor because let's be honest the draft beyond the first round is just interesting because of trades. Yes, we do kind of enjoy watching the second and third rounders, but it becomes redundant after a while. Well, there has to be a way to do it where you don't trade rostered players because the deadline technically passed, but then it reopens on the draft floor. I get what you're saying. There should be a way where the league works around it, where for the draft, you're only allowed to trade non-rostered players like prospects minors system players and other assets that you have like future picks instead no, of rostered players to hinder and, like the playoffs that, that would be my and, proposal towards it and i think they'll do that which kind of sucks because it's fun when they trade roster players that's yeah. more what i'm saying um is that you know like when pk suban got dished last year you know the yeah. cory schneider deal with for borhova or borhova <laughs> oh or that you know, I trading on the draft floor is the the thing that got me in trouble last year because I was spending the whole Saturday on my phone. <laughs> um, I yeah, I just I I think that would definitely be sorely missed, and that kind of leads me back to that point about them trying to emulate the NFL draft on a revenue basis, obviously with less expectations. But since there's going to be basically limited to no trading or that so impact trading. Um, for the immediate future like I just don't see really people paying to watch this right or tuning in to watch it because especially you could just get updates on your phone mm-hmm. yeah outside of the first round if you're gonna tune in to watch like two to seven or whatever is there a point if there's no possibility of a big trade like maybe you tune in for like you said the second third round but after that like you said it's redundant so if you're eliminating one of the most exciting parts of the draft you're probably going to take a hit. At this yeah. point, they might just want to do whatever they can just to get any kind of money 
because mm-hmm. they're losing so much. So I guess that's the other side of the coin, but it's going to be tough. The one thing too is there's other there's going to be teams that if they do that proposal, they're going to have an advantage. Like look at Ottawa, they have what potential three first round picks, four second round picks. I don't even know how many thirds, two or three. Mm-hmm. Like they just they Montreal as well. Like they have like Montreal, three yeah. second round picks, uh, three third round picks or something like that. Those teams hold an advantage, and they they could easily just go and be like, hey, like we want this pick where we have the assets that. You, you know, you can use to get somebody, something else that you know you want. So they hold all the advantage. Where if it's teams like, like I'll get into later my, when we talked about conditional picks, like there's other teams that are absolutely screwed that have no picks that are going to be standing, like, like you said, sitting there flat and doing nothing and it's going to be boring. Well, we're starting to run short on time. So Aaron, do you want to pick up where, where you literally just left off on those conditional picks? Um, sure, I can just jump well, to it. Real quick, the league is basically proposing that for conditional picks, especially with related to the NHL entry draft this June, I mean, potentially this June, that uh, the league will come up with a solution for the teams. And if the teams don't like it, they have seven days to come up with their own solution that they can both agree with. If they can't, then the, NH- then the NHL one is automatically imposed on them. Mm-hmm. So I think condition picks have only really picked up in the last two to three years. Uh, you can I, – I, I, I can't remember a time where Toronto would go out and trade a, a, a conditional pick. I can't, like, besides two, two – starting two years ago. So I would say – I would say just leave it to the league because it's become absurd that if you look at it, every single pick almost has a contingency on it. You trade a player, there's a contingent pick on the, at the deadline if he resigns. That never used to happen. It was like, all right, this player's traded. If he walks, he walks, he signs, he signs. Now it's, oh, you know, if he comes back, we'll give you this additional pick. And it only really started recently. And it's also for the fact of uh, trade deadline, there's teams that absolutely screwed themselves. Like, look at, the, again, I'm, I'm just throwing the Leafs under the bus today. Look at the Leafs. They traded their 2020 first-round pick to the Carolina Hurricanes with a contingent top 10 on it. So now they can't trade their 2021 pick until June to know, or whenever the lottery was or the draft because they didn't know if they could. So that takes away an asset for a team that's going all in that now they can't move. In the, in the Kyle Clifford, Jack Campbell trade, they traded their third round pick 2021 with a contingent. If Campbell wins six games, it goes up to a second or if Clifford resigns. Both two things you're not going to know until the end of the regular season. So now you've, you've traded away technically your, your first 2020, your first 2021, your, first, your second 2021, your third 2021, and not to mention, they also traded a six to Ottawa for Verano, and that's contingent on if he plays 10 games either this year or next year. So now you have six picks or four to six picks locked up that you can't trade for a team that has to go all in and win. And this was the year that they were going to go all in and win. I feel very scared. I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, no, you're how, right. How you're do right. you, how do you, you look at the NBA? They have two rounds. Okay. Top 10 protected, lottery protected, top three protected. Besides that, you don't see second-round picks getting many contingencies. Why yeah. is it that if I trade somebody, you're getting a fifth-round pick contingent on if they sign? I would say probably that's probably a product of the wild parity that's in the NHL or the you know push for that crazy amount of parity. Um, it's just you can't really be affording to give up assets if you don't have to, hence the conditions. So like, oh, I'm not going to necessarily give this asset to you unless he does this and you've made for that value there. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's how I 
kind of see it. Paul, have you got I, anything I, to add here before we yeah. before we move on to uh, ice time? Well, I don't hate the idea, but it's going to cause a lot of drama, obviously. The problem is you have the NHL stepping in, and who's to say that their offer is going to be fair? But yeah. at this point, I mean, there's not really much else you can do. So I think giving a team's a week to kind of negotiate to see if they can come up with a better solution is a good idea. But when is that going to take place? No idea. I was just adding on to that real quick. My, yeah. my proposal was just, if you really want a contingency pick first two rounds, only at backs, everything else open floor, no contingencies allowed first and second only because they are the more valuable picks. But then who gets those picks that were conditions beyond the second round, right? Uh, what do you mean? So, like, let's say that Verono pick, so that sixth rounder, who would start, get that pick? The Leafs or Ottawa? Start it, start it in 2021. Yeah, in 2021, like because long-term. all the 2022 picks, besides maybe two or three, have already been traded. Okay, start, that, okay. start that for the start of the 2022 season. Let everything play out. And then once that happens, like, all the contingency picks, they only become first and seconds. I'd be good. I'd be fine with that. All right. Well, uh, well. Everyone at home consider that too, because this is a mammoth of a topic and probably the most interesting thing that currently going on in the NHL. Um, But we are going to move on here to our segment, Ice Time. And today, we are going to be throwing it to my co-host, Mr. Paul, um, for your article that you published this week. You want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, so this week... I decided to write an article about who I believe was the most underrated players in the league from this season. So just a lineup. So you got a goalie, your two defensemen, three forwards, nothing crazy. Being an underrated player. Yeah. (laughs) Being an underrated player has been um, a topic of discussion for a long time. Like remember Mark Stone was the underrated King for a long time. Barkov players like that, but now they kind of stepped up into the, light of oh crap he is really good and everybody acknowledges it so I decided to take a look at some of the players from this season so it's excluding past biases and focusing more on this season alone so I'll start I guess with the goalie which I struggled with a lot actually because there's a lot of good goalies out there who didn't get the recognition I thought they deserved so Andrew Raycroft all right, that's all the time we got here today. Yeah, <laughs> all right, that's it. We already talked enough about Raycroft last podcast. I don't need to revisit that. <laughs> so I went with Corey Crawford, which might seem like a very odd pick, but looking at his stats this year on a team that wasn't very good, he was pretty unreal. So he, where is it here? In high danger areas, he owns a 0.849. So for context, that means it's within a certain, I guess you can call it like the home plate area on the ice. Like within 20 feet or something. Yeah. So his save percentage was 849. He saved 85% of all shots that came from within 20 feet. The league leader in that category was actually Jake Allen with an 894. But you have to take into account Jake Allen's also back. He played a lot less games than... Crawford did so 85% of the time he was able to bail out his team he put up respectable numbers across the board 
I decided to go with him over guys like Philip Grubauer and Darcy Kemper. So that was my goalie, which might get some heat, but I'm okay with that. On defense, I went with Jacob Slavin and Shea Theodore, which I know is Max's new favorite player. My boy. So do you want to take that one on? Because it's basically me just quoting you for that. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I'll, if you check out our end-of-season awards, I actually voted, or I put Theodore somewhere in my ballot. You will find out where, and you might be surprised. Um, but Theodore was just fantastic this year, I found, uh, according to advanced stats and from actual uh, eye test, because Vegas is a fun team to watch. He just he started a lot of he's he rarely started a shift in the offensive zone but they almost always ended his shift in the offensive zone with significant pressure largely because he was able to carry the puck or dish the puck up the ice with a huge amount of consistency he was driving play no matter the situation and playing against top competition with a subpar line mate in Derek Englund who was his most common one and he was he honestly just was not praised for what he had done Vegas is a consistently a top team in the league and for the past two years at the very least he has been the main catalyst at the back end beyond Marc-Andre Fleury obviously that has uh, caused that so yeah he's awesome I was disappointed that you picked Slavin because he is the most quoted underrated player on your underrated lineup he's not the most quoted underrated player around it was it was honestly a toss-up between him or um, Ryan Ellis. Check out the end of season wars to see where I put Ryan Ellis. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, no, but Slavin still like, is a good pick. Yeah, but he is one of the more talked about underrated players. So there is he's, that. He's getting to that Barkov level at this point where yeah. he's starting to get out. He's like almost a graduate, so I decided to put him in before he graduates. Well, obviously he's still underrated because the 2012 redraft from the NHL.com didn't put him in the top 10 so you got you got some you got some wiggle room there um and then quickly what are what are your forwards uh my forwards i'm not going to get too in depth about it because i want you to obviously go check it out and read it but i went with uh theodore's teammate max pacioretty forward travis connectney from the flyers and brendan gallagher who when i was researching it with the help of mac Pacioretty and Gallagher, their underlying numbers and their advanced stats are insane. So I have all that in the article. Go check it out. But those two players, oh my, they had unreal seasons. I would just like to also point out in our fantasy hockey league between myself, Mac, and Paul, I have been taking Max Pacioretty for the last four years, and they have laughed at me every single year. You offered me a trade, and I laughed. And I regret that. I take it all back. There you go. (laughs) So if only Corsi four percentage was a (laughs) fan. All right, Paul, I got a question for you. Shoot away. You've had your honorable mentions, which are Kyle Connor, Thomas Tatar, Sean Couturier, Ryan Ellis. Not going to bother getting into the goalies. Who goalies is just a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um, Beyond them, who did you have trouble keeping off? Like, even outside of honorable mentions? Yeah, outside of honorable mentions. I was very much contemplating William Nylander. Uh, you, you just want full chaos. I, I was kind of <laughs> ready for full chaos this article, but looking at uh, some of the advanced stats for these other guys, they kind of edged him out slightly. 
Uh, besides that, I mean, a couple that came to mind to me when you were speaking, and this is just off the top of my head, Shabbat for me was is very underrated. So that's why I was a bit surprised you put Slavin over Shabbat, where because Slavin was an all star, Shabbat yeah. Shabbat didn't get that nod. But and Shabbat, he, he, the thing with him is like he's thirty been, plus minutes at some game. Hyped up, he's hyped up as like the savior for Ottawa, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean he's overrated. He's still probably underrated in that aspect. But I think the hype was there that for me, throwing him in on this list didn't make too much sense. But mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. And then the other one for the fours is Matt Barzal for me. Ooh, that's a good yeah, pick. Because it's like, this guy is just so dominant, and he's so underappreciated. He is. He's a monster. You're absolutely right about that. Like, when you said Pacioretty, I was like, all right, he had a great year. He's had success. And then you went Gallagher. I was like, okay, that's, that's two very good players. But where's this guy? Well, for me, the one I would have switched probably was Konechny. Um, yeah. Especially because Paul's lineup will not be very good in the face-off dot. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he hasn't got too many centers there. Um, but, yeah, Barzal is so good. He is so good. And imagine a line with Barzal, Gallagher, and Patretti. Three people that were rumored to play in Montreal or did play in Montreal or left Montreal. Yeah. Because, screw Montreal. No, it was a... Uh, yeah. I went. I think the reason I went with Konechny is because I wanted to, for this pick, go a little bit outside of pure stats and more eye test. Because I'm also a Flyers fan, and when he got drafted, that was Toronto's pick that Philadelphia traded up for. And I was so mad because I wanted Konechny on the Leafs so bad because he's everything they need. He you was annoying. You don't like Travis Dermott? Yes, they got a good constellation with – it ended up being Dermott and Brocco. That's pretty good. But, Paul hates Travis Dermott. Confirmed. Uh, no, I just I love the way Konechny plays, and for me it was more of eye test for this pick to kind of differentiate it a little bit. That's fair. I liked your Crawford pick though. It makes you think. It really does because the yeah. one point you touched on was the in close, but it's also he's been coming off two almost two to three years of injuries. Right. Right. So, so for him to be able to turn that around, even though I said I was going to disregard past seasons and just focus on this one. Hmm. It still was in the back of my mind, like, okay, Crawford was unreal. He helped them get, was it at least one Stanley Cup? Was it two? Two. 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 But then he was on this string of injuries. He looked like he might not ever play again. I told him never to play again. Yeah. And then he comes into the season and does extremely well. So there was a little bit of pass bias there. I tried to avoid it. But isolating this season alone still. Yeah. Very well. I still think he was the right pick. I do as well. Like, you could easily argue Markstrom, but Markstrom... He was another guy that I was thinking about. Yeah, your, yeah. your Crawford points are really good. On that point, Markstrom, he's the, he was the MVP of the Canucks this year. Like, yeah. Pedersen's gross, and he's... Without a he's, question. I think he's going to win an MVP, but, man, Markstrom was good. Anyway, that's all the time we've got for this segment. Don't you worry. We're not totally done yet. But uh, go check out the underrated line from the 2019-2020 season on getoffthice.com. And we're going to move on to a new segment now. Um, actually, every week it's been a new segment. So at some point, we will be repeating our segments. Um, but this week, we are doing a BAGM segment. So basically, what we do is prior to us recording, we pick a team at random. 
And if we act as if we were their GM, we get to make one trade, one trade with any team. And we bring that trade proposal to the table and uh, we will critique one another on how our trade proposals are, whether they're actually fair or not. Obviously, we don't want to be crazy lopsided because that totally defeats the purpose. No one's going to be trading name a bad player for Sidney Crosby. So, Dang, there goes mine. Well, that's all the time we – maybe that'll be the title. Maybe. Um, maybe that's all the time we have. <laughs> <laughs> so we chose Dallas. Um, I actually picked Dallas, and in part because I thought they were just random enough – but with enough interest to be a great start to the segment. And at random, I'm going to pick someone to go. And it isn't random at all because I knew it was going to be Aaron the whole time. <laughs> Good thing I came prepared. So Aaron, start off with what you identified as their weakness or mm-hmm. what you tried to address, which team you're trading with, and then hit us with the, the trade. And we will be checking your, your math to make sure the contracts work. So all, all honesty aside, I asked Paul off, off recording if I can have like a free agency signing in this as well because it's like 1A, 1B. So it's an idea. So Dallas has, I'm not going to say a gap, but they always have something to fill in their top six that they just try and fill through free agency. Like, so this year they went out and they signed Corey Perry one year, 1.5 mil. He did okay, but it's not like what they needed they don't they didn't need Corey Perry they need something more stable more consistent and um to me it was Montreal it was like a great trade candidate for them because Montreal's going through rebuild why not be able to pluck somebody from their top six fill it into their top six but the thing is Dallas also has a gaping hole in their top four it's it's very they have a very good young team but I would say they need both a top four defenseman and a top six forward. So my idea was with Montreal, Dallas trades, Stephen Johns, prospect Riley Demini. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. If this guy ever listens to this podcast, a fifth round pick <laughs> 2021. And I know I harped on a conditional pick, but I did it. So the condition, there's a conditional pick, which is a third round in 2022, which can upgrade to a second in 2022 if Gallagher resigns because he only has one year on his contract. And that's the other side. Montreal trades Brendan Gallagher to Dallas. Interesting. Very interesting. I was very close to doing something similar. I was looking at Montreal. They were my first choice. And I actually also and I was looking at like a yeah, I was looking at maybe Domi as someone that could go to Dallas. But my, my logic behind it was uh, you have Ben Sagan. You need that right side filled. Gallagher's yeah. play style fits the West Coast as or the West Conference, not West Coast, as much as it does the East. He's like that gritty little forward. He he goes in the corners. He can also slide onto your first power play. And in exchange, like Montreal's not getting nothing. They're getting a top four defenseman who also has one year left on his contract, right hand shot, who can slide in there. They can read sell him at the deadline, get more assets for him. They're also getting a prospect in Demini, who's like Looking at his stats, he was captain of the Kitchcock Rangers, 200, sorry, 222 points in 245 career games. That's, that, that's not bad to add. Plus the, con- the conditional picks, Dallas would be willing to do it because they, they didn't give up prospects like Jason Robertson, Ty Delandria, Riley Tufty, Nicholas Camano, Masherin, and so many more. So like, I wouldn't see why they wouldn't do it. And I like that. I don't think Montreal would do it, in part because I think Gallagher's their future captain. I think so too. 
with one year on his with one year remaining on his contract though yeah i think they resign really? him and i think he stay and so it's uh i do think you're i do think you could stand to add a little more but i don't think the trade is outrageous by any means like mm-hmm. anything like that but i think it's just the the fact that i do think he's kind of he is the team even more so than Carey Price or Shea Weber, just personality-wise, play style-wise, and even just cultural importance to some degree-wise, I feel like he is he is the Montreal Canadiens. So then I feel my, like... only, my only counterpoint to that was – sorry to cut you off, Paul. My only counterpoint to that was, isn't that what they said about Stone too? <laughs> yep. In Ottawa? Isn't, yeah, in Ottawa. And isn't Stone one of the best two-way defensive players for like whatever you want to call him in the league? Yeah, as much as Gallagher right. is very good, he's nowhere near on Stone's level. You're right, but Ottawa was never going to re-sign Stone. They just never, they were never going to have the money for it. Melnick was never going to shell out for it. I think they will for Gallagher. And I know what I thought you were going to say was, didn't they say that about PK Subban, which they did? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I think, I think, I just think Gallagher is has. You see Gallagher's trade value at our level and by basically every other team's level. And then since he's in Montreal though, since he is the Canadians, his trade value is higher for them. So I think it would take actually a significant package to get him out of there. So, and I think he wants to be there. That's, and that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. So it, I, like, I love the idea of it, but just from the Canadians and how they would be looking at it, I don't know if they would bite. Paul? I was on a very similar track as Aaron. Like I said, I was going to go with Montreal, but then I decided to change it. And when I looked at Dallas's roster, I always thought they were a good team and that they could be contenders, but they always kind of disappointed. And this year looked like they might really do damage. But if you look at their roster, they have some stars, but they're all aging. They're all stars. They're the Dallas stars. Uh, <laughs> see you guys. That's all the time. <laughs> That's all the time we have today. Thanks for tuning in. So, anyways, as I was saying, they're aging, and like Aaron said, their middle six isn't very good. Like, they have a couple younger guys that might be able to fill that hole, but if we're talking right now, I think what they need to do is go out and get a couple of youngish, younger, skilled forwards. And who has a lot of those? Any guesses? Toronto. Toronto. So, I don't even know if I'm a fan of this deal but I came up with it just because. So we know Janssen's been on the trade block. Mm-hmm. He could be a nice fit in Dallas. So I said, why don't they try and go Janssen, Patan, or Abraco, one of the two, and Rosen for Steven Johns, go figure, Aaron, Matthias Yanmark in a second. So the only thing with that is Yanmark's a UFA at the end of this year. Yeah, but if you're looking at it from Toronto's perspective, at this point, just get a right shot and they have mm. to come cheap, and his one-year deal is cheap. I think it's, like, around $2, two mil. Something, yeah. And we talked about it last podcast. We really don't want to trade Kapanen, which I think would draw more of a maybe Josh Manson type, mm-hmm. which is better term, a little bit better of a player. But at this point, I don't want to say just get rid of him, but Janssen, I think, might be the guy to let go to get a question mark on Johns, and you get a second out of it. Yanmark's not a bad third liner i think it could work for both teams i don't know if you have to maybe tweak it a little bit to make it more fair for one team but that's what my proposal was i mean yeah i i'm not 
Johns isn't a bad player at all. He can slot in. I think on the Leafs, if they're a championship team, he's your he's on your five six. I don't think he slides into the top four on Toronto personally. I agree with that. But you're also giving up a lot to get him. But it's also you want to get rid of his cap or Johnson's cap as well because yeah. Johns only making two. Johnson's making three four. Sorry, three point four, not three four. Um, so that's an extra million four you have that you can just use. Yeah. It's tough. That's a good proposal, though. I like it. Yeah, I do like that deal. I think there is a distinct chance it could go through. And the only qu- the only thing I'd have is I, I worry about then the Dallas top four. Then you'd have Lindell, right. Klingberg, Heiskanen, and then you got one of Sakara, who's fine, but he's old and kind of UFA at the end of this year, though. Yeah. And then you, Roman Polak, who's also a UFA, UFA. and bad. Yeah. And Jamie Alexiak, who's still got another year left after this, but he's not all that good. So I'm going to hop back to what I was getting. Like, remember how I said it's contingent on something, maybe a free agent signing? Something I thought of was if they can clear up some more caps somehow, why not go after somebody like Joel Edmondson? In the offseason? Yeah, as a free agent. As a free agent. Why wouldn't you go out, sign him to a three- to four-year deal? That fits within their window. He's in the same age range as, like, Gallagher, who I had said, Ben Sagan, and all these guys. You can get them at a reasonable cost. Defensive defenseman slides into your top pairing. You can move Lindell down to play with uh, Heiskanen. I like I like that that thought. Um, but I took a more direct approach to filling out our the the defense. So I actually I did think about touching the forwards and all that, but I really like Rupe Hintz and Dennis Grianov. I didn't really want to move either of them from the top six. I mean, I thought the bottom six was fine. It was good enough. But I didn't really like one of, or I thought I thought kind of what Aaron said. Stephen Johns is on a championship team, a fifth or sixth defenseman. So I went out and got a right shot defenseman <laughs> because I'm a Toronto fan and I'm trained to do so uh, because they can't. So uh, Dallas trades Alexiak for in part for cap, but also to fill up whatever. Might be going out that way. Uh, Blake Como, defenseman prospect Ben Gleason. He's 6'1", 20-year-old, left shot D. Uh, former third-round pick Oscar Back. He's a center, 20-year-old. Played us in the SHL, so that's pretty good. And a 2021 third, no condition. You're welcome, Aaron. Thank for you. Damon Severson and forward John Hayden out of New Jersey. So I went after Damon Severson. That's an interesting fit. Yeah. Didn't he just re-sign a contract there like a year or two ago, though? He did. He is signed for, I'm pretty sure, uh, I know the cap is 4.16 It was million. six years, wasn't it? Yeah, so I think he's got five years left on a $4.16 million deal. And I think he's, at worst, a fourth defenseman, but I think he's more of a 2-3. I mean, yeah. yeah, I can see it. He's definitely playing second pairing, though, because he'd be playing behind Klingberg. No, and that's and that's a good thing, right? You yeah. Know, I don't want while he might be at the very top of his potential, a second defenseman on a team. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't have to play there, then all of a sudden you have a guy who's potentially a second defenseman playing against second pairing caliber players, right? So that's not bad at all. Then you'd have, you know, Lindell and Klingberg and Heiskanen and Severson on your second pairing or mix those up however you'd like. And then you got Sakara and Johns on your last pairing. And I think, I think that's a solid little group there. They definitely, they allow the second least amount of goals. That's going to 
they're going to pass Philly for that title. So I, I that's why that's what I was going for. I just didn't. Yeah, I, I thought that they could have used a little bit better of a top four on D. So went out and picked up him. Good idea. Never. It's never bad to get too many great shot defensemen. Shout out to the Winnipeg Jets, who now have none of Dustin Bufflin, Tyler Myers, or Jacob Truba. But you know, it's, it's always a good idea. Yeah, look at Buffalo. They got lots. They have literally a million. All right, that was cool. I think we can modify that to. I kind of like the idea of a free agent thing or making a number of moves or something like that. But I like the idea of this segment. We'll, we'll definitely work with it a little more. Uh, but we are going to move on here to our final segment and our staple of the podcast, the trivia. So today, Paul will be dishing out the questions. I apologize if last week was hard. I just am obviously too freaking smart for everyone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so, but me and Aaron are going to be working together. Expect some chaos. Because we don't work well together. Wow. I'm not saying a word. <laughs> I'm not I'm saying it's Aaron's fault the, that we don't work well together. I'm keeping all the confidence in the world in us today. Just, <laughs> don't, just don't look at our past history. All right, Paul, take it away. So, today, you will be doing... I couldn't decide on a name for it, so I came up with two. Originally, it was named The Journeyman. And this actually, I saw an example of it on Instagram. I can't remember the account, but we're going to use this. Or then I came up with, who's that Pokemon? Because I'm a nerd. Is, so, this, where, is this where you show the logos happen. and it's like the career path? Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. I kind of ruined that. Yeah. Well, okay. Thanks, Aaron. Well, I still don't know. And maybe people at <laughs> home still don't know. So we can still explain it. Yes. So... I'm going to read a smallish list that's going to explain the path of an NHL player. So I'll start with the team they're drafted by and give you the year. Then if they got traded, I will tell you that. If they then signed somewhere, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have to guess who that player is. I like so this. Do we guess along the way or do we wait till the end and then guess? Wait till I the would end. wait till the end. Okay. But I mean, if you're super smart, like you say, then maybe you don't have to. Oh, that is that is that we are Paul calling Mac out? <laughs> no, because I know he's much smarter than me, so I don't want to do this. <laughs> you're wrong. We're you're all wrong smart. All right. Okay. Are you ready? Oh yeah, I'm excited. No. Well, okay. Well, thanks, too bad. Well, here we go. Mac, this is the confidence we need, not the no. <laughs> yeah, Aaron's work is a team. So your first one is. He was drafted by Buffalo in 2008. He was then traded to Minnesota in 2017. I know. He then signed with Toronto in 2018. I'm starting off easy. Signed with Ottawa in 2019 and then traded to Edmonton in 2020. Who is that player? Jack Eichel. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. This teamwork is not going to (laughs) work. Aaron, Three, wanna... two, one is a menace. Yes. 82 goals in 82 games, Tyler Ennis. Yes. So, start you off with an easy one. We're going to progressively get a little harder, or at least I hope. That's what she we'll said. We'll see. Are you okay today? <laughs> and that's all the time we have today. <laughs> okay. We're going to run out of time, so stop messing around. Number two. 
He was drafted by St. Louis in 2005, traded to Ottawa in 2012, traded to Tampa in 2013, traded to LA in 2017, and then traded to Dallas in 2017 as well. Ben well. Bishop. Ben Correct. Bishop. All right. Maybe we won't uh, run out of time today. This player was drafted by Detroit in 2002. He signed mm-hmm. with Dynamo Moscow in 2009. Throwing a wrench here. He then returned to Detroit in 2010. He signed in Calgary in 2012. Traded to Florida in 2015. And signed in Dallas in 2016. Yeary Hoodler. Wow. I was hoping the KHL would throw you off a little bit, but you're correct. It is Yuri Hudler. I was thinking of when we talked about the, the like random player moments. I know. So when you mentioned year. Calgary, I was like, ah, the Hudler year. I know. But anyway. I was trying to think of the best journeyman, and he has he had a lot. There. Yeah. yeah. All right. Here we go. This player was drafted by Buffalo in 2003. Jack Eichel. Traded to the Islanders. In 2013, traded to the Canadians in 2014, signed with the Wild in 2014, signed with Detroit in 2016, traded to Florida in 2017, signed with Vancouver in 2017, traded to Columbus in 2018, signed with Detroit in 2018. Oh, right. There's only one person it can be. The last one really gave it away, didn't it? No, it was the fact that you were still going. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's only one person that gets traded and signs that much. <laughs> All right, who is it? The Big V, Thomas Vanek. Yep, Buffalo legend, Thomas Vanek. I forgot he was in Vancouver. I just blocked that right? out of my memory. And Columbus for a playoff push? I think he was a scratch there, too. He was bottom six. Yeah. So you're like Simone Gagne, or not Simone Gagne. Whoa. That guy was awesome. Um, no, Sam Gagne put up like 60 points in Columbus on the fourth line because 50 of them were play or power play points or something. Some, I think that might have been the year, yeah. And then Edmonton signed him for like $3 million a year because they're silly. Yep, and now he's in Detroit as well. Hey. We're not All right. talking about the Oilers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next player. Drafted by Boston in 2004. Traded to Chicago in 2007. Traded to Toronto in 2010. Traded to Philadelphia in 2011. Traded to Florida in 2011. Traded to Chicago in 2013. Traded to Carolina in 2015. Traded to LA in 2016. Signed with SC Burn but failed a medical test and signed with (laughs) Calgary instead in 2016. I don't know much past the Chicago, but Aaron, are you thinking the the big Chris, V? Chris Versky, yeah. yes, the big V. Yeah, the, the the part that I gave it away was like 2010 Toronto. I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah I was trying to think of how many Chicago to Toronto trades there were. Yeah, going to Chicago back and forth. Yeah, it was fun. Okay, now right, you guys are rolling through this. So here's all right, undrafted free agent. By Chicago in 1987. Oh, God. Get ready. <laughs> We're getting harder. Paul, uh, Paul ranked up. <laughs> yeah. Boss fight. All right, let's skip the next five. Sure, to the boss level. All right. So, undrafted free agent, signed by Chicago, 1987. 
Traded to San Jose in 1997. Signed with Dallas in 1997. Signed in Toronto in 2002. Signed with Florida in 2006. And then he played one year in Swedish League in 2007. Brian McCabe. (laughs) I have no no idea. Uh, Who signed with Toronto in 2002? Lots of people... I have no idea. I ha- I haven't a sh- a shred of a doubt, or no, I have many shreds of a doubt actually <laughs> as to who it could be. Um, oh no, is it that little? No, no, it's not. Oh god, this is so okay. Can you repeat it from like he was drafted by who? He was an un. He was an he undrafted, was... undrafted free agent. He I'm from Chicago. Yeah. Then he was traded to San Jose in 1997. That's a long time. He played in Chicago for 10 years? Yep. And then he signed with Dallas in 1997. So he went to San Jose for like a brief half season, if that, and then signed with Dallas. And then he signed with Toronto? In 2002. So he won the cup with Dallas, too. So from Chicago. Uh, <laughs> I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. Well, I know who it, is it? I know it. I'm for Eddie the Eagle. Wow. That one was hard. I forgot he was in San Jose for nothing and then Dallas. Yep. I remember as a kid, he was my favorite goalie. And I collected his cards. And to find a San Jose card at the time was really hard because he was only there for half a year. I finally got it. And as a dumb kid, I left the cards in my pocket and they went in the wash. Yeah. So. If it was any consolation, I traded a Wayne Gretzky card for an Eric Stahl card because I didn't have an Eric Stahl card, but I had two Wayne Gretzkys. Well, at least you still have the other Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> I guess. All right, moving on here. So this play. That, that was hard. There? You thought that was tough? Actually, this one might be easier. Drafted by so. St. Louis in 1982. Nope. I don't know about easier. <laughs> he was. Fun fact here he was a seventh round pick. After not being selected in 81. But anyways, he was then traded to Calgary in 88. Traded to Toronto in 92. <laughs> traded to New- Toronto team. Yeah, traded to New Jersey in 1997. He signed with Chicago in 1998. Traded to Montreal in 2000. And then traded to Toronto in 2003. So he played for Toronto twice. Yes, which should help you. But it doesn't. <laughs> uh, Aaron, any idea? I'm thinking. So it was... He only spent one year in Toronto at the end. So, so he, uh, when did he play in Toronto again? So he was traded to Toronto originally in 1992, when he was then traded out in 97. So he was there for five years. And then he came back in 2003 for a year. Okay, so two thousand three for he 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 was somewhere I forget where, then went to Calgary and then to Toronto. Yes. Who did we trade to Calgary in nineteen ninety three? Oh God! And he came back to Toronto. He came only the only people that I can think of that would be Wendell Clark that. I'm just thinking like people who were like in different uniforms, Wendell Clark and Daryl Sittler. Not Daryl Sittler, Doug Gilmore. So wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. Can you yeah. say the whole can you say the whole thing again? 
Drafted by St. Louis in 1982. Okay. That's fine. Traded to Calgary in 1988. Okay. Traded to Toronto in 1992. Okay. Traded to New Jersey in 1997. Okay. Signed with Chicago in 1998. That's fine. Traded to Montreal in Montreal. Okay, it's Doug Gilmore. Oh, Gilmore. It's it Doug is. Gilmore. I forgot Doug that Gilmore. he was that. I I forgot the 2003 one. When he came back for a year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly didn't remember him being back for a year but i just thought i just thought of the progression of like wendell clark and doug gilmer were the only two people in the 90s yeah. that i knew were on different teams yeah toronto. for me it was the yeah the calgary to toronto thing was the giveaway and then needed to and then i just i thought that off the bat but then again i forgot about the 2003 thing mm-hmm. i forgot about montreal too but I didn't I think know. He I forgot won, he was drafted I, by I, if I read it correctly, I don't remember. But I think he won three cups in three different cities. Wow, cool! None of them were Toronto. Nope, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> All right, here we go. This one uh, I think should be a little easier. From 1920. <laughs> <laughs> Stike. All right, drafted by St. Louis in 2007. Traded to Edmonton in 2013. Aaron, you better get this one. Traded to Pittsburgh in 2015. Traded to Anaheim in 2016. Signed with St. Louis in 2016. Picked Uh, in the expansion draft by Vegas. Can I just stop you? Yeah. David Perron. Yes. I wanted to throw in a little something. I knew that one, obviously. That was so (laughs) obvious, guys. Make it tougher. We have two more and a bonus one. All right, okay. let's do them all. So, this player was drafted by Pittsburgh in 1990. You're a bad person. Signed with Washington <laughs> in 2001. Jeremy Yager. Traded to New York. Yeah. What a journey. I'll follow it because it's insane list. Keep going. Right, keep, keep going. going. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. So, it's Jeremy Yager, but he was drafted by Pittsburgh in 1990. Signed with Washington in 2001. Traded to New York Rangers in 2004. Signed with Avant-garde Omsk in 2008. Signed with the Flyers in his return back to the NHL in 2011. Signed with Dallas in 2012. Played for his team, his own team during a lockout, which he was then traded to Boston in 2013 after the lockout. Signed with New Jersey in that offseason of 2013. Traded to Florida in 2015. Signed with Calgary in 2017 and then returned back home where he still plays. Glad no... Guy's a monster. Is, yeah. And for a guy for who's so good, playing on so many different teams, that's crazy to me. Right? Lots of signs and trades. Like when I think right. of Yager, I think Pittsburgh Rangers. It's like Yager and Vanek, the two best people to ever play for a million teams. Fight <laughs> <laughs> on the same level, too. Yep. Uh, anyway, that's all the time we have today. <laughs> so, this player, drafted by Dallas in 1995. Trade to Calgary that same year. Jerome again, though. Yep. <laughs> you had the Max favorite player in there. Yeah. <laughs> so the bonus one connects to this. So this is why I wanted to include both. And for oh. Max's own pleasure. So I, ju- I just called it early because I didn't want you to say he went to Boston. <laughs> that hurt. Well, you said it for me, so you could have avoided that. So this player has connection to a Ginless track record. So this player was drafted by Calgary in 1985, traded to Dallas in 1995. So he was part of the deal. 
mm-hmm. that includes a give up. Traded to New Jersey in 2002 at the deadline. Signed with Toronto in 2003. And then signed with Florida in 2005, along with another Leafs legend that same year. Joe Newendike. Yep. Yep. And Gary Roberts was the guy who went with him to Florida. Oh, right. I forgot about him. Right? So, wow, you guys did really well. I only stumped you Thank like you. once. And Belcour. Yeah, that Belcour. But, we, but Aaron I still got Gilmore it. Gilmore a little bit, yeah. So, and Gilmore was yeah. tough. But, yeah. No, oh, that was a, that's a good one. So what do I get for the bonus? What do I win? A virtual high five. I'll take it. Okay. Hey, good job. You slapped your mics. <laughs> all right well that is for the actual last time all the time we've got today <laughs> all the time I'm, I'm sure that's that's gonna be the name of this episode uh you guys have anything else to add that isn't saying that's all the time we have here today i'll take that as a big no all right <laughs> well, well i was gonna i was gonna say uh thanks for having me on again you know it's been really fun and uh Brennan gallagher that's the that's the guy. That's the theme today. Brendan Gallagher in absolutely no time. Well, catch us uh, every Monday. We're going to release new podcasts. We may switch up our formats a little. I have not prepped these guys on it, so maybe they'll find out after. But stay tuned because interesting things could be coming. Wow. So take it easy. Bye. Be sure to check us out at getofftheice.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at getofftheice.com.